brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Get ahead of the postage rate increases this year with stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com code PROGRAM. What is going on, everybody? And welcome back to the Wednesday edition of the Stochastic NHL Strategy Show. I am your host, Josh Harris. Joining me, as always, my partner in crime, Slim Cliffy. How are we doing today, Cliffy? Not too bad. Uh, not too bad. Real nice day outside. Nice outside uh, to get for a run and get a little exercise in. Um, suppose we should talk about last night. I, I dropped in the Discord. I was thankful to get a little over half my entries back, considering how much uh, St. Louis and New Jersey I had. Um, they really, uh, <laughs> St. Louis especially, like, they uh, really fell on their face last night. Um, did have some Winnipeg one lines that carried me uh, into the cash with a few of my entries, but uh, nothing too special. I did notice, of course, our boss, uh, Mr. Harry, who was kind of enough, kind enough to join us yesterday on the strategy show, finished third uh, in the big $20 on DK last night. Um, Good night from him, especially with the flatter payouts. Those flatter payouts uh, definitely help. Uh, so congrats to him. Um, not a great night for myself. How about you? I just want to you know, pour a little bit of salt in the wound on Jake there. Um, he got passed by 0.1 points by a quick shutout at the end. He would have won 20 grand there. Now he's going to have to come on, do a fridge reveal, maybe start an OnlyFans. But I, I don't know. Um, I was in a good spot last night. I had Ottawa one. I had Jordan Eberle. I had Hellebuck in that. Then I had uh, well owned Minnesota. I had Joel Erickson, Act, Matt Boldy, Kirill Kappers off. Did nothing. So, yeah. Kappers um, was the big one. Um, you know, we liked the power play spot for Minnesota last night. Um, they just got one power play in the entire game, considering Los Angeles was giving up four to the opponent. That was a Pretty big uh, deviation from what we expected. And Kaprizov got kicked out. Um, he <laughs> cross-checked Drew Doughty. It looked like he missed his face. Um, but, you know, they called it a match penalty real time. Got kicked out, I think, like halfway through the second period. So uh, anybody with uh, Minnesota 1, Minnesota power play, he stayed up until 12, 1 o'clock in the morning to watch that game. Uh, kind of wasted your time a little bit. But. Um, just to jump into the news real quick, uh, came out a er uh, little earlier that Kaprizov is getting fined and not suspended. 
Um, Minnesota's on the slate tonight, so he'll be in the lineup, and let, you know, barring something crazy happening. But it looks like he'll be back in the lineup tonight, um, which is good news. At least we have a little bit of clarity on that front. Yeah, a lot of teams on a back-to-back tonight on this four-gamer. And uh, as always, we're sponsored by BetMGM. We have a great promo for you later. But before we get into this slate, uh, please give us a like and subscribe so you can keep up with all of our shows. We had two yesterday. Maybe we'll have two during NBA All-Star break. It was a lot of fun. I was actually really tired after. But, you know, you can keep up with our shows, DFS offers, giveaways, and much more. Once you subscribe, hit that notification button to get alerts when our show goes live. As I see all of you here already, you probably have notifications on. Don't forget, most of our content is available in podcast form on the platform of your choice, except for Live Before Locks. Help us out by leaving a five-star review. Now, we have a four-game slate tonight. All of these games are a six-and-a-half total. Trending, Some are trending to seven. we got some backup goalies in that. We have eight teams playing tonight. We have two... Three, yeah, three teams on back-to-backs. So everything in play here tonight. So let's let's jump into the first game. Seems like a fun one. We have the Carolina Hurricanes with a 3.3 total heading into Florida. The Panthers have also a 3.3 total. Spencer Knight confirmed for the Panthers. No one confirmed for the Hurricanes. Lineup builder says Auntie Ranta. I don't know if Freddie... I, I didn't see news, but if Auntie Ranta was in the Stars' crease, he's probable today. Yeah, Freddie Turt. Um, yeah. Ron, Ron is starting. They called up uh, that Peter Chekhov guy. So um, I think they said Anderson, or yeah, Anderson might be out for a little while. So could be Ranta's net for the next little bit. Yeah, they could use someone like Nedeljkovic, who they gave up for nothing. But that's neither here nor there. I mean, he's not doing very well in Detroit. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, it's Huso season, baby. Yeah, it's Huso. Huso's better. Huso is better. But anyway, interesting lines for the Panthers here. We got for Hagee, Barkov, and Colin White. I'm a Colin White guy. Um, I was I was hoping he would see some power play one time because a lot of the Florida power play guys are net fronts, and Colin White shoots the puck, which I think would help their power play. But anyway, on the second line is Ryan Lomberg, Anton Lundell, Sam Reinhart. Sam Reinhardt finally broke through with a few goals. Uh, lastly, you had a little interesting nugget on Ryan Lomberg, which we'll get to. Third line of E2-D2, Lusterinen, Sam Bennett, and Nick Cousins. Status quo for the Hurricanes. I mean, I, uh, just to jump in, we think it's status quo. We they, have, they haven't practiced. I think they played Sunday on the road. I mean, they practice, they practice, but I haven't seen any lines from beat writers, and they completely nuked their lines. Well, not nuked them; they changed up the centers, um, moved Sebastian Ajo between uh, Sveshnikov and Natchez in the third period of their last game. Don't know if they're going to go back to that. We won't know until warmups. At least it's the first game uh, to lock on the slate, or one of the first games, so we'll know before lock. But as of right now, we don't have a hundred percent confirmation on the lines. At least not that I've seen. Yeah. And looking at ownership, like if Svechnikov and Natchez are together, they're they're a pretty low owned power play combo here. Uh, Spencer Knight, I like Spencer Knight. I think his struggles are on the penalty kill. Florida doesn't have a great penalty kill as it is. Um, pretty heavy ownership on the Florida top two lines here. 
some ownership on the supposed Carolina one. I think there's stuff to like on both sides here. Yeah, there is a lot to like. Um, I, of course, uh, that new Florida top line without Makachuk, Makachuk being suspended. Um, as you mentioned, it's Verhage, Barkov, and Colin White. Um, we should mention a little bit about Colin White. He was a relatively high esteemed prospect for Ottawa when they drafted him. They drafted him uh, in, I think, the middle of the first round back in 2015. Don't quote me on that, but um, uh, injuries have definitely derailed his career. Um, in two seasons, 2021, uh, he missed uh, 11 games or something like that. He missed two thirds of the season last year. So it was a couple seasons where he got injured and we don't really have a lot of data uh, from what he did because there just aren't a lot a lot of games but what I do want to mention is that earlier in his career back in Ottawa he was pretty good in transition like good zone exit and go, good zone entry numbers and that was on a pretty bad Ottawa team if anybody can think back to those Ottawa teams from like four years ago uh, definitely I mean you know they're four and eight this year but they should be a little bit better but that's neither here nor there um, but he was pretty good in transition, and that's exactly the type of player that I could see fitting in well with Barkov and Verhage. Um, you know, we mention it pretty much every show, but it doesn't really matter who Barkov and Verhage play with. They still have a pretty good line. Now, this year has been a little bit different. Um, in 85 minutes without Matt and Chuck, Barkov and Verhage, only 2.6 expected goals for uh, 1.3 actual goals at 5-on-5 five five per 60 minutes. That's a pretty big deviation from what they had historically done. I was looking at their numbers from, you know, from Verhage's first two seasons in Florida, you know, nearly a thousand minutes together um, without Huberto, without Kachuk, without Mason Marshman, like without those top wingers, like with just normal wingers, 3.3 expected goals, 3.4 actual goals. Um, Barkov has been pretty snake bit this year uh, is one of the reasons why their goals for is, is down so much at five on five. Barkov still shooting 0% at five on five a month into the season, which feels kind of unfathomable until you realize that uh, Sam Reinhardt just scored his first two goals of the season on Monday. Uh, but Barkov, you know, last year had 23 uh, even strength goals in 67 games, almost one every three games, you know, him having nine is you know, pretty shocking, actually. It's going to turn around eventually. It's just how much does it turn around and when does it start? Those are, you know, those are the, you know, big questions here. And we just don't have an answer to that. But I do think White will fit in well with that top line here uh, for the Florida Panthers. And, you know, he's not that expensive. So that top line isn't very expensive. Whether you're looking on DraftKings, a little over 17K, FanDuel, a little over 18K, not very expensive, probably going to be fairly highly owned. You know, probably one of the three or four highest owned lines uh, on the slate here tonight. Um, but I think more than just noting Colin White being good in transition, it's noting Carter Verhage moved to the power play. I, you know, you say you you want White on the power play. For me, it's Verhage that I've been clamoring for on the top power play unit for like two years now. Like he, it just seems like he has that skill set. Um, good in transition, good with the puck with the puck in the zone. Knows how to get open for shots. Like a real dual threat guy um, who's done very well product you know production wise at five on five over the you know last three years just doesn't get the power play time. And now he is getting the power play time. I'm kind of excited to see what they do. And I know 
Florida's power play hasn't been very good, but it's been better of late since they got away from that five forward uh, unit and started using Brandon Montour on the top power play unit as a defenseman. So um, I do think their power play will be a little bit better. Um, we don't know exactly how well that line's going to mesh with White, but my assumption is that he's going to fit in relatively seamlessly. I don't expect them to be like a powerhouse top line like they would be with Kachuk, but I still think they'll be good. Um, the second line is actually what's really interesting uh, for me here from Florida, Lundell, Reinhardt, and Lomberg. Uh, I am going to start with uh, Anton Lundell. Um, I had some concerns how he would perform uh, this year um, without Mason Marchment um, because they played a they played a lot together uh, over the last you know last year. Um, him and Marchment were pretty much staples uh, on the third line together. But Lundell um, doing very well uh, for Florida down there um, on that third line. Um, if you want to look at um, uh, defensive impacts, he has one of the best. Uh, on the team so far this season, like um, they're doing a really good job of limiting uh, opposition's chances. Uh, and he and Sam Reinhardt typically played well together. Um, going back uh, to last year, again, without Mason Marchment, 3.1 expected goals for 3.3 actual goals for per 60 minutes. Um, they're really crushing the opposition in a smaller sample this year, but I just wanted to include last year because they have played very, very well together offensively. Um, and Ryan Lomberg to round it out. Um, it, Lomberg's not somebody that we typically pay attention to in DFS because he has been a fourth liner um, pretty much his entire career. Um, but he does score, which is the surprising thing. If you go back um, over the last three seasons now, three seasons for Lomberg. Remember he's playing fourth line minutes and we're talking about just a little over hundred games. So we're not, it's not a huge sample of minutes, but Lomberg has the same goal rate at five on five as other, as other wingers like David Perron, Lucas Raymond, Artemi Panarin. Like he's at worst been a middle of the league scorer um, playing very low minutes uh, for the Florida Panthers. So I'm kind of interested to see how he mixes in here on that second line uh, with Florida. Now it obviously is a tough matchup and they are coming in with a ton of ownership. Like our fan dual ownership has this Florida second line over 20%. Um, it's because Lomberg and you know, everybody else is really so cheap. Um, that's a kind of, a, of an issue here. Like I don't want to play a 20% Florida second line. Um, so people on FanDuel will have a little bit of a decision to make. I think you might be fine just kind of mixing and matching here. Um, you know, throw in Barkov uh, instead of Lombard uh, to get an extra power play stack. Uh, just leave the trio and add Montour on the blue line or Forsling on the blue line or something like that if you're really that worried about ownership. Um, but it is a pretty tough matchup going up against that either of the Carolina top lines. In fact, all the top three lines from Carolina have been pretty good defensively so far this year. Uh, Carolina won 2.1 expected goals against per 60 minutes, well below league average. Carolina two sitting at 1.7, which is well below league average. Carolina three, even further down, 1.1 expected goals against per 60 minutes. Like that's Carolina lineup has been really, really good defensively. So 
it's just a matter of like I think Ronta's not as good as Anderson. Um, it's whether Florida can kind of generate um, at home against what is a you know a really good Carolina lineup. Get ahead of the postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. On the other side, um, again, assuming they're going back to their old lines with Jar- Jarvis and Terravine and all on the top line and so on down, um, I do want to mention Seth Jarvis here. He was a guy that I thought would have that breakout season this year because some of his underlying numbers last year were really good. But one thing I checked, there's a a guy, on, I call him a guy, but he's a, a game tracker on Twitter named Corey Snager. He tracks manually tracks hundreds of NHL games across every team every year. Still a small sample this year. We're looking at just 75 minutes of games tracked, but Jarvis is, uh, scoring chance contributions down 30% from last year. Uh, almost all of it coming from uh, scoring chance assists, which means he's not looking for his teammates as much as he was last year, at least through the first month of the season. And, you know, if he could score goals a ton, I would take that instead of, you know, just racking up assists because uh, one's worth way more than the other uh, in the fantasy game. But the problem is he's playing, you know, 14, 15, maybe 17 minutes in some games. That, you know, secondary power play time, that's really not a great situation, you know, to break out offensively. So I do have concerns about that that Carolina top line. Um, again, they're coming in with reasonable, I'll say reasonable ownership, at least over on DK, FanDuel, a little bit higher. Um, it would probably uh, be dipping down uh, to the Carolina second line here for me. Um, Kokaniemi, Natchez, and Svechnikov. Um, by those same scoring chance contributions, Svechnikov and Natchez top 20 amongst all forwards in the league so far this year. Those, those guys have been absolutely dynamite. Um, you know, they're shooting pretty highly at five on five, 20%. So that's obviously going to come down a bit. Um, but Svech is also generating a ton on the power play. Um, that is kind of important here in this matchup. Um, Florida, one of the uh, 10, 10 most penalized teams in the NHL, tied for eighth actually with the Anaheim Ducks. So some sort of Carolina power play stack, I think, makes sense to me here, especially when we're talking about the goaltending. We'll get to that in a second. But I think it's a Carolina power play stack. Just you worry about lines mixing up. You worry about maybe some tough in-game matchups or something like that. I think it would be the Carolina power play I would attack. I'd even throw in Stefan Nason. Their power play has been pretty good with Nason on the top uh, PP unit. 11.8 expected goals for 14 and a half actual goals for per 60 minutes with him there. You said it on the last show we had with Carolina, I think. Maybe he's the next Alex Chase on uh, that can really help um, uh, a guy that comes out of nowhere on, from the fourth line to really help the top power play unit. So for me in this game, uh, it's Florida two if you want to. I think I would just go to Florida one. Uh, and um, just kind of, uh, you know, get what I think is the easiest matchup against the Carolina top line. Um, on the Carolina side, it would be some sort of power play stack here. I think you want to take advantage of a Florida team that can take a lot of penalties. So that's kind of where I'm at. Um, I'll mention Carolina three as well. Those guys have been absolute monsters this year. Jordan Martinook, um through one month of the season, one of the most impactful players by expected goals impacts in the league. 
Um, and they're generating a ton at five on five. So even if you just want a one-off Jordan Martinook or something like that, I think that's fine, especially where he's playing 14 to 16 minutes of late. Uh, don't mind dipping all the way down to Carolina three, uh, getting to that, what could be meager depth of the Florida Panthers. So uh, Florida one, Carolina power play, Carolina three for me. Yeah, I, I think, you know, some sort of Carolina power play stack is probably my favorite from this game. I think Svechnikov, Netches is my favorite pair. You want to take out Cockneyami and put in Aho. I think that's fine. It's expensive, but, you know, there are some cheap, cheaper lines that you can fit in. I think Florida's fine. I just think, you know, without Kachuk, without, you know, Aaron Ekblad, who should be back on Saturday. I mean, Montour has been excellent. So, like, the one good thing about, you know, Ekblad getting hurt, it shows how good the other, you know, Panthers defensemen are. But I don't know. I, I, I'm on the Carolina side here. Same total. A little bit lower ownership. Carolina has a very good PK, whether, you know, you know, Freddie is the better goalie, but, you know, I'd, I'd rather rely on Carolina power play where Spencer Knight has struggled mightily on the PK. So let's move to the blue line. Then we'll get to goalies. Brandon Montour, 7,200 still, <laughs> it sounds silly to say, but he's been excellent. I think, you know, you don't have to include him. I think he's more of like a one-off type deal for me. Uh, Brett Burns on the other side, power play quarterback, is also fine. Punt-wise, um, they're just not too much. I think Brett Pesci's fine. Other than that, you know, slaving if you're in no man's land. Yeah, um, I think Pesci's price on DraftKings is um, pretty palatable, so I don't mind him there. Um Forsling has been shooting a lot um, of late. Uh, I think his 6K price is kind of fine, um, especially if you're worried about the Carolina penalty kill. Um, you know, he doesn't get those top minutes, so you don't have to worry about that. One guy I will mention is Racco Gudis. Like his DK, well, his DK and FanDuel price, I think are a little bit high um, to the point where it's not great value, but he is playing like 20-ish minutes. Um and he is a guy we have seen him get, um, you know, monster block games, you know, especially against a high volume team like Carolina. He definitely will shoot the puck. Um, and he's coming in with almost no ownership. I think that's the one thing um, I wanted to mention is that the Florida defensemen are easily well into the double digits, except for good is down at 1%, um, which a lot has to do with his price, but there aren't really a ton of super expensive players here tonight. I mean, you know, you have the Pittsburgh top line, you have Capras off in Minnesota, but if you're not playing those lines, I think you, I think a 4,500 Gudis on DK is, you know, passable on a four game slate where he's coming in at 1%. Yeah. I mean, the key to short slates are always the defense when you put in your lineup, like you can have the best wingers and centers. If you have the wrong defenseman, you're going to go from like top, 10 to like 200 in, in MME fields. So like getting your defenseman right on a, you know, fairly short slate is important. I think that's a nice way to get different in net. Spencer Knight. I think I would reserve him for Florida lineups only. I'm a, I like Auntie Ranta here. It, goalie is just a, an absolute mess tonight. So 7,600. On DK, 
good defensive team in front of him, good penalty kill in front of him. I think Ronta is the preferred option for me. So I'm going to say Spencer Knight. Um, and I do want to get to that point that we mentioned earlier. Um, I was talking about it in our Discord. Um, he has like 1,800 uh, minutes to his name at five on five uh, since he stepped into the league. The only goalie with a better high danger save percentage at five on five than Spencer Knight since he came into the league um, with at least that many minutes played is Igor Shosturkin. <laughs> like Knight is ahead of Sorokin. He's ahead of Saros. He's ahead of Hellebach. He's ahead of all of, all of those guys. The reason Knight's save percentage overall looks pretty bad is he's getting blasted on the penalty kill. Like I think it's the fifth worst penalty kill save percentage among all regular goalies over the last three years. So that's one reason why I kind of like the Carolina power play. Maybe it's something that doesn't persist. Could be something just with the team system. Could just be small sample noise. It's still only about 200 minutes on the penalty kill, which is about one full season's worth. But um, that's also why I kind of like Knight in this game. Like, I think if he doesn't get lit up by the Carolina power play, he could have a pretty good game against a team that shoots a lot. So um, I kind of like Knight here, I think. Yeah. uh, I mean, listen, all goalies are in play tonight. Um, there isn't one option where it's just like, well, I think you have to consider everybody. Um, yeah. So my lean's on Ronta, but I think Knight is definitely in play as well. Uh, we are sponsored by BetMGM, and we have a very, very good deal for you. Get two free months of Stochastic Plus Platinum and up to a $1,000 risk-free bet when you sign up. Make a deposit and make your first paid wager at BetMGM. So I know a lot of people sometimes are on the fence about doing these types of things. There is literally no strings attached to this one. You follow these steps, you get what I'm telling you. And I've been told that it's going to go from two months down to one month free of Stochastic Plus Platinum soon. So there is no better time than now. And I'll tell you how to do it. You create a free Stochastic membership using the form below. Or if you have a membership ready, as a lot of you do, just log in and then you click the large bet MGM button that appears after registering or logging in. Then you have to complete the steps of bet MGM. Very simple there. Then you create a bet MGM sports book account, just a couple steps there and deposit at least $10. Then you make your first paid bet. After your bet settles, you qualify for two free months of stochastic Pub platinum. It is easy as that. So if you deposit 10 you, and you bet it when you lose, you get the $10 back. To get the $1,000 risk-free bet, you have to deposit and bet the 1000 But after you completed all those steps, you'll receive an email from BetMGM Sportsbook with instructions for redeeming your two free months of Stochastic Plus Platinum. And remember, no strings attached. After, I don't know when it's going to be, but it's going to be soon. It's going down to one free month of Stochastic Plus Platinum. So there is honestly no better time than meow. Let's move on to the next game of the night. We have the Vancouver Canucks back-to-back on the road heading to Montreal. Uh, Canadians also played last night. Uh, Vancouver has a 3.5 or 3.6 total. Montreal has a three total. Demko confirmed Jake Allen went last night. That game went to a shootout. So I I would imagine Samuel Montembeau is going to be in net tonight. Um, not overwhelmingly high ownership on either side here. Obviously, Vancouver, too, with the 3.6 total, is garnering the most. Montreal top line, a little bit 
right around double digits, the second line around 5%. The one thing I will say about the second line, and I hope I'm not stealing your thunder here. Um, I think the second line is fine, but the game went to a shootout last night and those guys played 11 minutes. <laughs> they got there in those 11 minutes, but they played only 11 minutes and it went to a shootout. So I, I think this is another game where you have to consider stuff on both sides. Yeah, I agree. Um, I'll start with the Montreal side. Like, um, the biggest, well, I shouldn't say the big, well, I think the biggest weakness of Montreal top lines, um, Caulfield Suzuki typically had been their defense. Um, since adding Kirby Doc there, it's gotten the team, def- their line defense has gotten significantly better. Uh, 2.1 expected goals against per 60 minutes. That's well below league average. Now it's still 60, 60 minutes of ice time. That's maybe five or six games worth. It's still not a whole lot to go off of, but it is a step in the right direction. And it, it kind of jives with the way Suzuki played in the first five or six, or the way Doc had played in the first five or six games of the season. Um, one thing I worry about with Montreal is just wildly unsustainable percentages. Uh, like Nick Suzuki shooting 31% five on five. Like if he shot half that, it would be an amazing shooting season. And he's not shooting that much either. No, his all situations shot attempts are down. Um, that's a pretty big concern for me. Now, obviously they're going into, into Vancouver, Vancouver, not a great defensive team. Um, so not a huge concern, but um, to kind of rely on Suzuki, I would like to see uh, more shooting from him. But again, we have a pretty short slate, so they have to at least be in consideration. They're not coming in with much ownership, 10% at home for a top line, perfectly correlated on a four game slate. Seems perfectly fine to me. Um so I don't mind uh, Montreal one here. They're going to be going up uh, against that Vancouver top line and the top line. I mean, the JT Miller Brock Besser line. Now going back to January 1st of last year, just after Bruce Boudreaux was hired, they actually don't have bad numbers together. Um, a little bit above water by expected goal share. The problem is, is Besser's not getting his power play roll back, at least not right now from Andre Kuzmenko. Uh, and it's something else we talked about in the Discord um, this morning. Brock Besser has three games with at least two even strength goals in his last 241 games, I think it is. Like three seasons, full seasons worth of games. He has three with multiple even strength goals. Uh, for reference, I think Cole Coffee or four, sorry, four in 241 games. Cole Caulfield has three in like his last 45 games. Um we talk about it over and over how reliant Vancouver is on the power play. There aren't many guys that are more reliant than Brock Besser. I think over the last four years, like 40% of his goals have come with the power play. That's a lot. And he's only been playing, you know, 14, 15, 16 minutes without that power play time. It's really not that significant. So. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation? where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I don't mind playing Vancouver 1 here tonight because um, they aren't coming with much ownership. We have them at 6%. Uh, on DraftKings, you know, nine to ten percent on FanDuel. That's perfectly fine, especially against a Montreal team um, that struggles a lot on the power play. You do get JT Miller on the power play. I think the way I would go about it is if I'm using the top line from Vancouver, I would probably leave off one of Pearson or Besser, and then add in a Bo Horvat or add in an Elias Pettersson or add in um, an Andre Kuzmenko or something like that. I would get more pieces of the power play because. Montreal's penalty kill is really bad. They're being bailed out by the sixth best penalty kill save percentage in the NHL. It's over 900 right now. Um, So that's kind of the way that I'm approaching Vancouver in this game is like JT Miller's not really shooting much at five on five. We just went over um, how Brock Besser has really struggled to score at even strength over the last, you know, three plus seasons now. Um, I just think that if Vancouver is going to smash, um, it would probably be on the power play. And I'm not saying, you know, that Tanner Pearson can't score, or Brock Besser can't score, or anything like that. That's why they're fine to use, I think, in a line stack. <clears throat> I would get some additional power play exposure, like I said. Add a Pedersen, add a Bo Horvat. Good call on Bo Horvat yesterday, by the way. Uh, you brought up how much he'd been scoring over the last, you know, over his last 40 games or something like that. Uh, and he goes out and double dongs. So, uh, yeah, maybe you want to keep it going with Bo Horvat. Uh, I would just, if I use Vancouver one, which I think is fine to use. Cause like I said, the numbers are good, not great, but good. Um, I think I would probably just add some additional power play guys to it. Um, that's, you know, it's short enough slate where something like that can easily work out. So I would add, like I said, add a Pedersen, add a Horvat, something like that. That's the way I would treat them. Vancouver two, like they just keep rolling. Like, they're just really, really good. Uh, Pedersen, Mikheyev, and Kuzmenko. Um, so far this season, 3.6 expected goals, four per 60 minutes. Um, all the way up to seven goals for uh, actual goals for, um, you know, a big problem. A big part of that is that they're shooting like 20% of five on five. Um, but they are the line that's scoring for uh, Vancouver at even strength. Um, they're going to get that middle of the Montreal lineup, which like, you know, Dvorak and Gallagher are fine, but you throw in Mike Hoffman, he's pretty bad defensively. Um, Jonathan Druent, uh, Sean Monahan, Evgeny Dodonov, not going to be a very good defensive line, I don't think. So I do really like Vancouver too here. I think, you know, their ownership, even if they come in at like 15%, that's fine. But it's another situation where I would still add a Quinn Hughes or a JT Miller or a Bo Horvat or something like that, even if I was playing the full Vancouver second line. So I don't think you have a Vancouver three. Um, they are fine to use, but where they're coming in with basically the same ownership as Vancouver one, I would treat them the same. Like if I do stack them, I would make sure to add more power play guys. So um, if people want to go back to that Montreal um, second line, I think that's fine, but you're right. Um, not a lot of minutes. 
I don't think you need a lot of minutes against Vancouver though. So I think, you know, if you want a one-off Gallagher or something like that, I think that's perfectly acceptable, but um, the, I do like Vancouver power play Montreal one, the most in this game, if you want to play Vancouver one or Vancouver two, I would just make sure to add uh, some additional power play guys, just be take advantage of that awful Montreal penalty kill. Yeah. I kind of agree with like with the Beauvoir of that coffee, throw enough spaghetti against the wall. Eventually some of it's going to stick, but I, I do agree. I, I do. I think Vancouver three is fine. Like Bo Horvat, Connor Garland, two man, you want to throw in, you know, a Kuzmenko, something like that is fine. But like with their ownership pretty high for a third line, I'll just go up to that second line. They're going to get similar matchups and they're just better. Like Ilya Mikheyev, not some, you know, Joe Schmo. He's, he's not going to hurt you up there, but if you want to leave him off, add in the JT Miller, I'm going to leave him off adding, uh, you know, Horvat or Quinn Hughes. I think that's fine. Vancouver power play is probably my favorite thing from this game. I think going back to Montreal one, also fine. Like Vancouver is back to back on the road. And we can't understate how bad Dr. Demko has been to start this season. He's been awful. Whether that continues for like nine, 10% of Montreal one. I'll take a couple stabs to find out. So let's move to the blue line. As we mentioned, Quinn Hughes, probably the guy there for Vancouver. Ethan Bear up to 3,700, but he's he's producing. I, I still think he's fine. Montreal's going five forwards on the power play. <laughs> Why? Because Quadzilla Mont- Martin St. Louis said so. So really, there's just not much on the Montreal side that I want to play. Like David Savard, fifty three hundred is egregious. <laughs> well, I mean, you say that, and he's going to go out and block nine shots here tonight, yeah. or something like yeah. that. Yeah, like I guarantee it. Um, I will mention Joel Edmondson. I think he's still min price on Fanduel. Um, if you need a super cheap guy, I think that's fine. I, I kind of want to mention Jonathan Kovacevic. Um, his last three games, he he's played over twenty minutes in two of them. One of them was before Edmondson returned. One of them was after. Obviously, last night, um, as you mentioned, it was an overtime game. So that could have been factoring into it a little bit. He did have a couple overtime shifts. But even if he plays 19, 20 minutes for like 2,600 or whatever, I think that's palatable. Um, Yeah, Hughes in your power play stacks. um, He's still not shooting a lot. He said he was going to shoot more this year, and his shot attempt rate is basically the exact same. So, yeah. not a lot of defense when I really like Tyler Myers is fine on DraftKings, I guess. Maybe he can throw his body in front of three shots for us here tonight. Can never trust those sneaky little Hughes brothers. Full of crap. Anyway, in that, uh, like I mentioned, Thatcher Demko, been pretty bad this season, but both of these teams are back to back. Thatcher not getting a ton of ownership at AK. I like beggars can't be choosers on this slate. I think you have to consider them. Samuel Montembeau, 7,400, one of the cheaper options going up against the Canucks team back-to-back on the road. I think you have to consider him as well. Does it feel good? Absolutely not, but I think both are in play. Yeah, Montreal, one of the lowest shot volume teams in the league, but just above them is Vancouver. Like, neither of these teams shoot very much. If I had to take one, it would probably be Demko because I'm much less concerned about the Montreal power play against Demko than I am the Vancouver power play against Montembeau. I agree there. You just hope that. There you go. The dogs are in agreement. 
King Bacon Pie is in a tizzy. Anyway, college basketball is back, and we have you covered with Matt Kajewski's industry-leading college basketball DFS package. And we've got a deal to kick the season off. For just $1, you get a f- your first week of college basketball DFS with promo code CBB is back, or click the link in the description. That's saving over 90% of the regular weekly price for college basketball. And included, you get projected fantasy points for every slate, player usage data, expert Discord chat, and King Bacon Pie giving you analysis on every game. So let's move on to the next one. We have the Pittsburgh Penguins with a 3.4 total heading into Washington. The Capitals have a 3.1. It's going to be Casey DeSmith against Darcy Kemper. All right. I think they have settled down there. Um yeah, sorry if the dog scared you. I have a lot of them. Um, going to this game, again, Washington top line, I think the highest owned that we have projected of the night. I prefer the Pittsburgh side here. They're the most expensive line of the night, I believe. They're coming in almost only around 15%. Like Washington's going to be without Carlson, without Orlov, and without Oshie. They've struggled defensively. Their penalty kill hasn't been great. I like Pitt one. I think well, the Washington side's fine with Casey DeSmith in that. I think it'd be some sort of power play stack. Yeah. Um, that The new Pittsburgh top line with Brian Rust there, um, you mentioned on the last show, it's kind of the old Pittsburgh top line because Rust was there uh, a couple years ago. Uh, very, very good numbers together. Um 2.8 expected goals for and over 1,200 minutes together, 5 on 5, 3.1 actual goals. They played it to a little bit of a higher pace over the last couple of years, um, which is actually kind of fine. I want more points and more shots from this team um, or from that line. And, like, I don't really worry about the matchup here. Like, they're going to see a fair bit of the second and third lines um, from Washington because Washington doesn't send out Kuznetsov and Ovechkin against top lines um, or not very often. And like going up against Dylan Strom and Sonny Milano or, you know, Anthony Mantha and Nicholas Obey-Kubel, um, who was just taken off waivers and thrown on the third line. Those matchups don't scare me whatsoever. Uh, and going against that Pittsburgh top line, uh, getting Jake Gensel back. Um you know, Pittsburgh, and all three guys are on the top power play as well. As you mentioned, the Washington penalty kill, not very good this year. Uh, the Pittsburgh top power play unit generating about uh, three and a half uh, or nine and a half, sorry, goals uh, per 60 minutes. Just very, very good um, on the power play. Now, Washington doesn't take many penalties, about three a game, which is well below league average, but um, with a bad penalty kill, um, missing a lot of guys. Like, they're missing a full second line and their top pair. Like, that team can only suffer so many injuries. I really do like Pittsburgh one here. Like, I don't care if they're 20% owned tonight. Um, I think they're um, by far the best line. Well, not by far, but I do think they're the best, easily the best line on this slate. They should come in with the highest ownership. Um, oddly enough, I think if you're going to leave one guy off to try to get a bit different, it would be Gensel. Um, Rust has been shooting a lot this year, particularly at five on five. Um, it's his shot rates up about 25% at five on five this year. So, um, like if you feel like you want to get a bit different, cause you're super worried about, you know, playing a 20% line or something like that, 
I think leaving off Gensel would be the way to go. But um, as soon as I say that, like, I just, you just know Gensel's going to double tong tonight. That's the issue with the elite lines, right? Yeah. It's just miserable trying to pick one to leave off. So you just end up full stacking. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'd like, I would probably just full stack and look to get different with my secondary and my defenseman and all that. Um, but if you're going to leave one off, I was, I was just thinking it would be Gensel. Um, the Pittsburgh second line doesn't really have much of a sample together. Um, you know, Malkin and Zucker do have a good sample without Brian Rust um, going back a few years because Zucker's been there longer than Ricard Raquel. 250 minutes together, um, 2.7 goals for, 3.3 against. The defensive numbers for Pitt, that Pittsburgh second line just not very good historically. Maybe they can ch- kind of change things around this year. Um, but that's what brings uh, the Washington top line into play. And uh, the Washington top line coming in with heavy ownership, about 20% uh, on DraftKings, a little bit higher on FanDuel. Um, but the Pittsburgh penalty kill hasn't been that great either. Um, you know, Eric Gustafson, we can make fun of him all we want, but he is a good power play defenseman. That's kind of the reason why he stayed in the league for the last three or four years is that he can play you know, 15, 16 minutes a night. I think he was up to 24 or something last game, but that was a lot of power play time. But he can play, you know, six, number six, number seven defense minutes, but still run a top power play unit. So, um, you know, if you want to, if you're, again, if you're worried about ownership, you know, throw in another one of the power play guys on there, throw Dylan Strom or Marcus Johansson uh, or something like that. But um, it is a good second line matchup for that Washington top line in this game. And Ovechkin's been shooting more at five on five. That was the big problem with him through the first seven or eight games. He wasn't shooting that much at five on five, at least not for him. Um, but that has certainly turned itself around over the last few games. And he's brought himself back to close to his uh, recent averages. So now that he's shooting more, uh, Kuznetsov looked like he finally uh, kind of broke through. I do like Washington one. I don't know if I would go to Washington two again. Um, again, they're going to see a fair bit of that Pittsburgh top line. I don't think that's a very good matchup for them. Um, so I don't know how Sonny Milano and Dylan Strom are, are going to be defensively. Uh, that seems a little bit concerning to me against that Pittsburgh one line. Um, you know, anything can happen in a single hockey game, but, uh, it just seems like it's a prime matchup for Pittsburgh one and not Washington two. So, where that Washington second line's not drawing a lot of ownership, like I think they're fine to use, but I don't know if I would just full three-man stack them. It would, it would end up some sort of power play stack. So it's either Washington one or Washington power play. Washington three is kind of interesting because I don't think the Pittsburgh third line's going to be very good. Assuming Jeff Carter's in, they officially said he's a game-time decision, but it looks like he'll play. But him and Brock McGinn, on the third line for the Penguins, below water by expected goal share, uh, going back to last year in 175 minutes. Um, again, typically not a great defensive winger. Jeff Carter's uh, defensive impacts have fallen off. Now he's like 37 years old or something like that. So um, I think, you know, getting sneaky maybe with like a one-off Mantha or, you know, even a one-off Lars Eller, I think it could be fine here on a short slate against what's not, I don't think is a strong Pittsburgh bottom six. But it's Pittsburgh one, uh, Washington uh, one that I do kind of like most. If you want to turn that into Washington power play, go right ahead. Yeah. And a point on Jeff Carter. He's 37. I'm 36. My defensive impacts are non-existent. So <laughs> take that for what you will. Um, 
Yeah, like I agree with your point on Washington too. I think you know if you want to go Washington one, leave off Shiri, add in a Mojo or Strom, I think that's fine. Um, I definitely wouldn't full stack them, but you know Strom Johansson two man. If you want you know cheap lower owned exposure to a power play unit against a tough or a, a, a subpar PK, I think is fine. I just wouldn't full stack him. Uh, moving to the blue line, Eric. Gustafson, 3,200, still too cheap running that top power play. I think he is fine. Um, Latang, 5,800. His like his woes have been priced in, I guess. Like, uh, yeah, like have they? I don't know. Like, <laughs> he's had a decent peripherals his last two games, but that's a wildly short sample. Pierre Olivier Joseph moving up to the second pair. At 2,700, if he, if you could tell me right now he'll see more than 14 minutes a night, I'll take a stab on him. Uh, Nick Jensen, Martin Fairberry, a little bit too expensive for me. It's funny you say that because Fairberry is kind of the guy that I was going to point out. Um, he's been getting more ice time, obviously, now um, with those guys injured, uh, with Carlson and Orlov out. Um, 23 minutes, two games ago, 22 minutes uh, on Sun. I think it was Sunday night against Edmonton. Maybe it was Monday night. Um but he has pretty good playmaking and transition data um, in his short career here. This is only his third season, basically just his second full season. Um, but he had pretty good transition and playmaking data last year. He's still only 23 years old. So, like, I get that he's expensive, but he's also coming in with sub 1% ownership. Um, Going to play 23 minutes for a team carrying a 3.1 total, like, I honestly don't mind him here tonight if you're if you're not going to play like double digit percentage Gustafson or Trevor Van Riemsdyk getting five percent ownership. Um, like I don't see a huge difference between Van Riemsdyk and Fairberry, um, and where they're the same price and Fairberry is a like a small fraction of the ownership. I'd probably rather go in that direction. That's a that's a fair point. Um, it's a Fairberry yeah. point. That's a, yes. Wow. Whew. <laughs> the dog segment into that. I'm just, I'm just melting right now. Um, but I, I actually, I think that's fine. I just, I don't know for what I'm doing tonight, which is an absolute scene. I, I can't afford February. So um, let's talk about the goalies in this game. Casey DeSmith, Darcy Kemper. I think Darcy Kemper is going to be the more popular one. He's more of a household name. Casey DeSmith. Is he a massive downgrade from Yari? Like, I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so either. Like, just because you don't recognize the name doesn't mean they're not good. You know what I mean? So, like, I think my preferred option is Casey DeSmith in this game. Just because I think Pittsburgh wins this game. Kemper does have a shot to see the the saves bonus, though. Yeah, that's kind of my only thing is I think Kemper could see a, a fair bit of shots here tonight. It's not projecting for a lot of shots against, but, you know, we don't have any goalies at 30 projected saves either. So, like, if I had to pick one, I think it would be Kemper, but I honestly don't think this is a game where I'd be going to grab my goalies. Yeah. I mean, there isn't a game where I'm going to grab my goalies on this slate, but That's this good. one especially, yeah, neither really inspire much confidence. Uh, so let's move to the last game of the night. We have the Minnesota Wild with a 3.5 total heading into Anaheim. The Ducks have a 2.9 total. Uh, Minnesota played last night with um, – Marc-Andre Fleury, so Philip Gustafsson, probable for the Wild. Ducks never say anything about their goalies. It honestly could be either one. 
I'm expecting Gibson, but would not be shocked if it was Stellars. Um, Minnesota one, getting big ownership again. Minnesota two, getting big ownership again. Ducks, awful defensively, have struggled mightily on the penalty kill. I think I'm going to be a broken record with the Wild, and it's going to be some sort of power play stack. On the Ducks side, I don't think Gustafsson's very good. Minnesota's been struggling a bit defensively. That second line fully correlates on the power play, Comtois, Strom, Terry. I think that's my preferred line, but I do like Zegers for Toronto as well. Yeah. um, Do want to mention Adam Henrique. Um, He's not going to be in the lineup tonight. Um, They said he's missing it for the birth of his child. So congrats to him and the missus uh, on that very special day. But then we're left (laughs) – you're not going to get information about Anaheim. So now we're guessing who's going to end up playing uh, with Zegers uh, and Frank Petrano. Like my guess is it's going to be Mason McTavish. Yeah, like who else would you move there? It's like Max Jones, like Jake Silverberg. Um, I think it just makes more sense to move McTavish there and then move Lundestrom to the, the third line center. So that also opens up a spot on the top power play unit for McTavish, which um like, you know, Anaheim's power play is what it is, but um, getting top power play time for any team is better than getting none. So the Anaheim side's kind of interesting to me here. Um, the Com- the, the Comtois, um, Strom and Terry line has some hilarious numbers in a small okay. sample. Um, goals four plus goals again per 60 minutes of five on five is sitting at like 10, which is like, <laughs> They're just trading shots and goals back and forth. Now they've been pretty bad. Um, they've been fine offensively with or without Comtois. It's just that small sample is throwing uh, the expected goals against numbers out of whack. I don't, Comtois was a guy I had hopes for as a prospect, but he just hasn't turned into a whole lot. Like yesterday on the show, we were talking about guys that are just like shot bots. Like all they do is just shoot the puck and that's, you know, literally nothing else. At least they do that. So I'll say at least Comtois shoots the puck, um, but he doesn't really do a whole lot else. Um, they're going to be going into that Minnesota second line quite a bit. Erickson, Eck and Boldy. Now Erickson, Eck and Boldy actually had been pretty good defensively this year. Um, and even going back to last year as well uh, with or without Kevin Fiala there. So, like I'm not sure I would be running out to play to play uh, the Strom Terry Comtois line. I would probably be more inclined to go with Petrano Zegris, and assuming it's Mason McTavish, um, you'll get Zegris and probably McTavish on the top power play unit. I think McTavish, you know, because people are going to be guessing. I think he's going to come in, per, you know, lower owned than he would if they were to announce right now that he's going to be playing on that line, right? So. Um, I don't mind them, and they're going to be going into the Minnesota top line a fair bit. Now, the top line definitely has been better with Freddie Godreau, better defensively, I should say, with Freddie Godreau. Um, but they're not generating a whole lot offensively, so they're not really sustaining a lot of pressure, which means I think that Zegers, Vetrano, and uh, McTavish can at least get some chances here tonight against the Minnesota top line. So that's kind of what I like here. Um for Anaheim is the Vetrano Zegers McTavish trio, assuming uh Zegers or assuming uh McTavish is there. Um on the Minnesota side, I agree with you. I think it's just going back to a power play stack. Jordan Greenway's not playing tonight, by the way. Um, so we'll have a new guy with Eric Sinek and Boldy. I don't really know who it could be. Like it, it might be shot, probably. 
it, uh, that was the first guy that popped in my mind, but we've also seen uh, Tyson Jones jump up. We've seen Marco Rossi jump up. Um, I don't think I don't think it'll be that. I think it'll be Mason Shaw, like you said. So that could be another way to get a little bit different on a high on line is just really guessing that Shaw um, is going to be in the lineup for Minnesota. Um, and where he's 3,100, if it is somebody different, if they do use Jost or if they do use Adam Beckman, who's who got recalled today, if it's somebody different, you can swap down to them. So, yeah, I, I agree. I would just leave Shaw uh, on the second line. And if it's somebody different, just swap out and then you'll get a lower own guy. Um, but it is just Minnesota power play. Like the Santa Heim penalty kill uh, has been very, very bad this year, like amongst the worst in the NHL. Um, they don't take a ton of penalties, but they are above average at 3.8 uh, times shorthanded per game. Um, and I think there are enough ways to get different with a Minnesota power play stack. Um, you know, add in Addison, um, go with the triple winger, um, just full stack them. There are enough ways to get different to not worry about ownership. So Minnesota power play, uh, Zegers, Vetrano, um, and probably Mason McTavish is what I like best. Agree there. Um, there's some interesting names on these in the bottom six of these teams that I really want to say, but I'm not going to. Um, we'll move to the blue line here. John Klingberg running the top power play unit. He's 4,400. I, I guess he's fine. Cam Fowler plays like 25, 27 minutes at 2,900. Whether he does stuff with those minutes remains to be seen. But for 2,900, I'll take a stab. On the wild side, it's either going to be Addison, Spurgeon, or Brodeen. Brodeen's probably my favorite if you're not power play stacking. Uh, other than that, I think that's about it. One guy I'll mention besides what you did is Dmitry Kulikov. I think he's been playing a lot more minutes since Jamie Drysdale got hurt. And I think he's kind of in that Radko Guda spot where there are a couple defensemen that will be much higher owned than him. And if he can come in with, you know, very low single digit ownership, I would kind of take that risk for his price uh, on either side. So I don't mind Kulikov as a differentiator here tonight. Yep. And in that, neither of these goalies really inspire much confidence, but both of them you got to consider. <laughs> I mean, do you? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I like half jokingly said in chat, I might just lock in a $6,500 backup just to get the extra salary and hope all these goalies just get blown up. Like it's certainly possible. There's like not one where I'm like, yeah, this guy's getting a shutout tonight. Like all these goalies could give up three or more tonight. Yeah, I mean, if you know, if you're telling me I have to play one of these guys, um, it's probably John Gibson, just because I want the volume. Anaheim just doesn't really shoot a lot, and Minnesota's been a little bit better defensively of late. So like Gustafson might not see 25 shots or 30 shots or something like that here tonight. But um, yeah, this I you know, if I'm playing one lineup, I don't think this is where I'm gonna be getting my goalies from. Yeah. Not on DK anyway. Yeah. And we'll just talk about all these goalies for a second. Like for me, like if you're not confident with anybody and how can you ever be really, but like, if you don't have any leans, especially on this slate, I think you just side with cheaper and volume. So like, <laughs> you know, Gibson, Darcy Kemper, Montembeau, like you just, you plug them in, you plug your nose, and hope they get the saves bonus, I think. 
Yeah. Um, Kemper is one of the two goalies I've circled for DraftKings just because I think, you know, maybe Pittsburgh can put up like 39 shots or something like that here tonight. So don't mind Kemper on DK. But honestly, I think Spencer Knight is my favorite goalie uh, on the slate here. Um, he's probably not going to have a ton of ownership, like 10 to 15 percent maybe. Um, and like I said, his only problem has been on the penalty kill. As long as he doesn't get blown up on the PK, I think he could have a good game against Carolina. Yeah. I think there's not one goalie that I, I would not consider. So there's yeah, that. That is the other way of putting it. I think, you know, it's the old quarterback problem. If you have two quarterbacks, you have none. Well, here we have eight goalies. <laughs> so yeah. just go with one of them. Spin a wheel, flip a coin. I don't know. Like, I wish I could tell you otherwise. Like, goalie's a wasteland. Who's your hat trick pick tonight? Uh, I'm going a little bit a uh, little bit freaky and a kind of a tough matchup, but I'm going Anton Lundell. We love it. I'm a big Anton Lundell slappy. Is he in my lineup? I don't know yet. I hope so. He might be. He might not be. My hat trick pick's gonna be Evgeny Malkin. There we go. That's Gino's been off to a good start this year, man. Point per game, pretty good uh shot, scoring chance impacts. Hopefully you can do it. Yeah. I mean, I, I was trying to avoid a top line guy. You know, because like the top lines are fairly obvious tonight. So I like Malkin top power play. So for producer Slim Cliffy, I'm your host, Josh Harris. Coming up after us, what do we have after us? I wrote this down. Please hold. <laughs> Coming up after us, we have the NBA Deeper Dive at 445 with Greg and Adam. NBA Live before lock with Josh and Eric at six. Uh, make sure to check that out if you're playing NBA tonight. I know a lot of you guys tuned into the NHL live before lock, not realizing there wasn't any NBA, but I appreciate you guys uh, tuning in yesterday. It was a lot of fun. Um, So for Slim Cliffy, I'm your host, Josh Harris. We will see you tomorrow for a big NHL slate. Good luck, everybody. Good luck tonight, everyone. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.